know. I yell a lot. So, um, I was that great child yesterday. That's a product shot right there. Um, and I got a fortune cookie. And I'm going to read the fortune cookie. I have a Bible as well, but I'm going to read the fortune cookie first. Um, I found this profound. It matters not what road we take, but rather what we become on the journey. I'll read that again. It matters not what road we take, but rather what we become on the journey. And I read that, and I stopped and said, ah, wait, that, no, 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 that, no, that's just wrong. It matters what road that we take. The road matters. What we become on the journey matters as well, but the road that you on actually makes a difference. So, so those of you who are like, yeah, that's deep. Okay. Um, don't worry, we'll, we'll, we'll work on you. We have many years at ENC. Um, when Corey first asked me if I'd be willing to speak, I was like, wow. I mean, it, to me, this is a great honor. Uh, my next thought immediately thereafter was, don't say anything and get yourself fired. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, we're talking this year a lot about sharing our story and who we are and where we came from. Um, as was mentioned, I'm an ENC grad. Yeah, 2002. Some people, I'm not going to name any names, but some people who are in this room also graduated with me. I took classes with, and they are still here as well. Don't hang your head in shame. We're glad to be back. Um, and I, I'd like to share one of the things that I learned when I was in chapel. I was actually, I've got a lapel mic so I can walk. This is kind of awesome. I was sitting right about here. I was right here, and I heard a, uh, a question that got asked, and it... I'll be honest, I was like most of you in chapel, I was kind of, I was here, I, was, I, I wasn't here, here. And a question got asked, which was this, what was the last thing God asked you to do? What was the last thing God asked you to do? And my head popped up, I was suddenly paying attention again. Don't ask me what the rest of the message is about, but that's what I heard. What was the last thing God asked you to do? And throughout the rest of my life, to this day, that question has come back in my mind. In two particular instances, um, when I've been off the path, so if this, if this is the path, there are times when you're on the path and then there are times when you are off the path. The times in my life when I've been decidedly off the path and that question crosses my mind, what was the last thing God asked you to do? And then other times when I am on the path, yes, and I am walking in God's will, I'm doing what God wants, but I'm not sure where to go next. I had this plan, I had this path, I'm going. Speak, Lord, your servant listens, and I'm not sure where to go next. The same question has crossed my mind again. What was the last thing God asked me to do? And so I'd like to share some insights, some thoughts about that, um, those two areas of what was the last thing God asked you to do. Um, first one, we're off the path. Off the path. Uh, at best, we're off the path sometimes because we're not paying attention. At best, we, we slip. At worst, we're blatantly ignoring God, period. God told us to do something, and we're like, nah, I'm out. We, we, can, we can talk about Jonah, right? Jonah's the easy example. God said, do this. I'm getting on a ship. I'm heading the other direction. Like, I've always liked in the book, liked in the book of Jonah how Jonah never even responds to God. He just dips. Yes, thank you. He just dips out. He, Peace, God, I'm out. Um, but at best, 
we sometimes are just not listening. Abram, before he was Abraham, I would like to say he wasn't an active listener. He wasn't an active listener. I'm going to read a passage out of Genesis. For those of you who brought your Bible, Genesis chapter 12. Um, I'm reading from the King James Version. I know some people just gasped and died a little on the inside, but you'll get over it. <laughs> chapter 12, I'll read through this quickly, verses 1 through 5. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land where I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I'll bless you, and I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless you, and I will curse them that curse you. And by through you your family, and all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed, good job, as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance. What is the key part there in those last two verses? That's a problem. I don't ask rhetorical questions. Someone respond. What's the problem there with what Abram did? He, he took Lot with him. Now, God said, I want you to go, leave, get up, leave your father's house, leave all your father's stuff, and go. And Abram did what a lot of us do sometimes. I'm going to do most of what you said. Because the other stuff's not as important. I'm going to take Lot, who's clearly of my father's house, my nephew. He did most of what God said. Not all of it. But it's not a big deal, right? He still did the big thing. He left. He went out into the wilderness. But the, the little thing is not as important. He wasn't an active listener at best. We're not going to read through the rest of 12 and through the beginning of 13, but if you read on your own, biblical scholars amongst us know that thus begins Abram's journey off the path and doing things that are just not that bright. And only, oh, I thought I dropped something. And only one other time in there does God speak to Abram. He's passing through the promised land. He's like, hey, this land's going to be yours one day. And Abram's like, sweet, and builds an altar, because building an altar is cool. And then continues on into Egypt. And in Egypt, he has a series of misadventures and bad decisions. And then he ends up coming back into the area that will be the promised land. But he's still with Lot the entire time. I'm sure in his mind, he's like, I'm doing what God wants. I do what God wants. And he's still off the path. Maybe he's running kind of jagged parallel to God's path, and I will not step over all of you. But still, he is not where God wants him to be. In 13, verse 14, we see, right before 13, 14, we see that Lot's people... And Abram's people have a fight. They're not getting along so well. Abram says, you take your people, Lot. You take your people. We'll just separate. Chapter 13, verse 14, we read, And the Lord said unto Abraham, Abram, After that Lot was separated from him, Lift now up your eyes, and look from this place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land which thou seest to thee I will give it to you, and to your seed forever. And he renews the promise. Now that you finally did what I told you to do a couple of years ago, we can get back on track. I, I'll say it again. Now that you've done what I told you to do, we can get back on track. I know in my life there have been multiple times, probably more than the times where I've been on path, where God has to say to me, really? Really? 
Why are you surprised that things aren't working out the way you thought they were supposed to? Did you do what I told you to do? I did most of it. <laughs> I, I went to ENC. I was living a good life and stuff. I was in Bible studies and I was at churches and stuff. But what did I ask you to do specifically? Other things that I didn't do. <laughs> with, with Abram, it's interesting that he could be in the right place physically, but not, but sp- thank you, you're tracking me. But spiritually, he ain't there. He didn't get it. He didn't get the land because he didn't get it. He didn't get where he was supposed to be because he didn't get, oh, I should be doing what God asked me to do in the first place. Maybe he just wasn't an active listener. I mean, it's easy to read through that passage. You know, it was like, oh, oh, yeah, the lot thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I missed it the first time reading it too. But Abram was talking to God directly, and God tends to be, I don't know, direct. Do this. Well, I can do some of it. So I, I, I propose the question. What has God told you to do last that you haven't done? Those who are students of mine know I get personal real quick, but thankfully there's a large group, so I won't do that as well. But um, if you know, for example, that relationship you're in, God said, get out. Why are you still in it? You got that group of friends who God said, "Mm -mm, no. Why are you still hanging out with them? If, and this was talked about last week, I guess, if, for example, you know specifically you should not be using the internet unless you're in a public setting because you can't be trusted by yourself, well, I need it for my schoolwork and my... If you know there's people you shouldn't be talking to because of the gossip issue, or magazines you shouldn't be buying, or places you shouldn't be going, da 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 you know personally what it is for you, why are you still doing what God told you to not do? And what's interesting is that there are people in the room who right now have things going through their head and you're done for the rest of the service in a good way. You're like, I'm thinking about that thing and uh, me and God have to talk. They'll be heading down the path. There's others who've just done this. (laughs) Mentally, you've shut off, which is what you've been doing to God the entire time anyway, which is why you're not on the path. I don't know anybody personally. I'm just saying in general. What was the last thing that God asked you to do? What are you holding on to that you could just be better getting rid of? Yeah. Psalms 19. I'm not going to read through the whole thing, but it's, I'm a poet as well, and you've got this. Well, I've got it. I've got a Bible. I'm going to read part of it. Psalm 19. Um, I'm going to read this through this really quickly. Verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More desired are they than gold, yea, more than much fine gold, sweeter than the honey also in the honeycomb. Moreover, by... By them is your servant warned, and in the keeping of them there is much reward. Now, summary is, stuff from God, really good. I mean, we we can go, the the poets among us can go through the the poetical parallel structure of things. Stuff from God, really good, and we know that. 
We sing songs about them. We, we steal from the Psalms and we write them into great hymns. <laughs> and we sing them on Wednesday and on Friday and on Saturday and on Sunday and on Jesus' birthday and Jesus' resurrection day. We sing them, but do we live them? If we know all this stuff, we know the path that we're supposed to fly. Well, I got stuff to do, Jesus. I can't, I can't get around to giving up X. What was the last thing God asked you to do? And are you doing it? Or do you have a list of excuses for why? There are other things to be doing. When I was actually also at Great Child, the image of the Ark, that the promised land, came into my head. Ark of the Covenant. I wasn't watching um, the old Greatest of the Lost Ark movie, Indiana Jones. But uh, there's this image of the Ark, and in Joshua it says that um, God said to the people, follow after the Ark. So the Ark is going to go ahead of you. Follow after the ark. And this is the phrase that gets used in Joshua 3, 3 through 4. Because you have not been this way before, follow me because you don't know where you are going. And this image of, <laughs> not necessarily my mother, but a mother, maybe your mother, who says, okay, baby, we going into the department store right now. You got your purse. I got, I got my purse on. I'm a woman for this illustration. Follow me. Um, Got a purse I can borrow for a second? Is a side bag? Does it work? Okay. And this matches my outfit and everything, so this works. Okay. So, baby, hold on to my purse, because if you don't, what happens? You're going to get lost. And if I was writing the passage using that illustration, I'd have to go further. Not only are you going to get lost, now I have to go and find you. And you're going to be somewhere over here, lost, walking around in circles, crying because it's not coming out of your nose and your hands all When you're off the path, it never looks pretty. It's that little five-year-old never pretty. And I've got to come and find you and bring you back on the path and then ask, why didn't you do what I told you to do in the first place? Because I saw something over here that was shiny. Now, I'm ADHD, as all get out, okay? In case you haven't figured that out yet. Like, shiny objects everywhere. Um, but still, you don't know where you're going. Hold on to the purse. Follow the path. If God gives you a command, it's probably the good plan to follow. I, I don't know. But I'm, I'm crazy, though. Um, so, like I said, there are two things. First, when you are off the path. The other thing was when... You're on the path. You've heard what God has told you to do. And you're doing it. You're tracking with God. You and God are giving each other pounds. Metaphorically. Because you're doing that physically. I'm going to stop. Anyway, um, <laughs> take illustrations too far sometimes. Um, you, you're on the path. You're doing what God has you to do. And then you reach the place where you're... What's next? When I was a, again, I will name no names. When I was a freshman slash sophomore here, it, it was rough. One of the things that was weird for me, okay, I thought I was in a cult when I first got here. Now, this is, and this is why. Because I was raised in a different denomination. And I was taking the quest of Christian tradition and being in Bible studies on the gospel choir and doing all these different things, talking to different people from different denominations, hearing things I had never heard before, and it, I, ah! 
I wasn't doing so well. I freaked out a little. And I can't call home and tell my parents because they're like, we're paying all this money, you want to go to that Nazarene school, suck it up and deal. Like, it wasn't going to work. So, I, uh, I hung out and I, I met wonderful people while I was here. But I really, honestly, I told I was like, Tanya Miller, I was actually having this conversation with her recently, and I was like, I really actually thought, I was like, I, some people believe different things than I do, and it's, it's crazy. Added to that, I'm like, I know this is where God wants me. This is where he told me to go. So I need to work this out. I need to work out my faith with fear and trembling. And then added to that was, I was, I'm telling you now, I was an English major and an education major. Double major. Let's get an amen for the English majors in the room. English majors, where are we at? That's right. English majors. Education majors, where are we at? That's right. Some of you will pass my class. So, um, I was an English major and education major. And no one believed me. No one believed me. It was the weirdest thing. Freshman year especially. They thought that I was a religion major. Or that I was a youth men major. With time, um, and people thought that I was a common arts major, um, drama major, because I spent a lot of time as a child of Edith, as I like to say. Um, Edith Code, for those who have never actually read the outside of the building. Edith Code. <laughs> we know our, our history at school. And uh, it, it messed with me. Good example, I was um, my, my former advisor, English advisor, who has um, since gone on to be with the Lord, um, wonderful lady. She uh, was sitting in her office and she said, all right, we've got your classes all worked out. You got your English classes and stuff. Well, we really need to work on your major. You got to get your religion classes in. <laughs> and I was like, um, well, I'm not opposed to this, but I'm confused. She's like, well, you got to get your major classes in. I'm an English major. And she paused and said, oh, yeah. <laughs> and it, it was the next line that really started messing with me even more. She's like, I always forget with you. I was like, I'm taking it partially as a compliment, but also because, like, in critical writing and stuff, it would always be like, Jesus all over my paper, and I'm quoting from Strong's Concordance, and I've got all these commentary writers, and ah, you know, that's how I was raised. Um, I'm a preacher's kid, and I just had this desire, maybe I should be going into ministry, but I feel God has told me that I'm supposed to be a teacher. So I'm at ENC, I'm doing what God has told me to do, I'm an English education major, but I'm literally hearing from different people, maybe you should be going into religion instead. I, Margie, I, pretend you didn't hear this, Margie. I may or may not have had some religion professors at the time who were actively recruiting me. Walking into Angel was a bad day for me. You walk up the stairs, you've got religion department on one side, English um, education department on the other side. And it was always this, <laughs> you want to be on our side, don't you? Um, I, I wish I was exaggerating. Like, I had that conversation multiple times. This is the part where I gave that you didn't hear. I, I may or may not have had a religion professor um, who let me audit some classes for free. Because he's like, you. He, he, he was acting like it was like crap. You, you want to take New Testament, don't you? Come on, come on. Take some New Testament. Sit in on a class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good work. Um, I was signed up for Greek my freshman year. There you go. Yeah. Um, but God intervenes and said, no, 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 no. I've got other things that I want you to be doing. So then it ended up getting taken off of my schedule, and God kept leading me down this other path. And it was then that I was sitting right over there, trying to figure all this stuff out, that whoever the guy was, he was, this is all I remember, he was up here, 
There's a black guy from Boston. That's all I remember. Um, and I'm a black guy from Boston, so it, it works. It's come full circle. Um, <laughs> he, used, he asked the question, what was the last thing God asked you to do? My head perks up. And he went on to talk about, if you do know the answer to that question, and you are in a position where you're following God's path, and now you don't know what to do, go back to the answer to that question. Whatever the last thing God told you to do was, keep doing that until he tells you to do something different. And at that point, I was done for the rest of the sermon. I was like, apparently this is why God wanted me in chapel this day. To hear that. Keep doing what I told you to do until I tell you to do something different. We do not have the luxury of living a static life or having a static faith. If you are waiting for the rosy-colored glasses to appear on your face, the clouds to part, for ravens to drop food and knowledge into your head and mouth, I'm sorry. It, it may happen, but I'm doubtful. Anyone had that happen to you recently? Don't answer that question because we're going to assume something other than spiritual inspiration. Just saying. Um, throwing it out there. Never. So, um, we don't have that luxury. We need to keep doing what God has asked us to do. Which means, and this might offend some people, uh, whatever major you're in, if that's the last major that God told you you should be in, some of you will change repeatedly, um, you should be working in that major as onto the glory of God. So the work that your professors are giving you, that you're like, I don't want to do this, and I don't even know if it's what God wants me to do. Maybe it's what God wants you to be doing right now, and do it. If you have ministries that you are doing in your church or in the local community, and you're like, well, I'm not sure if God wants me to stay in this, you keep doing that thing and serving your community until God tells you to move otherwise. Because if you just take it upon yourself, I'm out, I'm not doing it anymore, then you're out of God's will. Keep doing it until God tells you to do something different. This ended up being confirmed for me after I, I heard this message by um, my education advisor at the time, uh, Prof. Biakko. It's like she pulled me into her office and said, look, Matt, you're young, you've got time. Thank you. What does that mean? Well, you're young, and you've got time. Stay doing what God wants you to do. You've said God wants you to do this, well, keep doing it. And later on, if God wants to bring you into ministry, he'll make a way for you to be in ministry instead. It's like, huh, that makes sense. I can, I can track with that. I'm also tracking your time. Make sure you guys get you back to your classes. Um, <laughs> a lot of grumbles that just happened there. Uh, and so that's what I did. I stayed. Kurt Vonnegut, an author, used, had this quote, A purpose of human life, no matter who is controlling it, is to love whoever is around to be loved. A purpose of human life, no matter who is controlling it, is to love whoever is around to be loved. That verse, or that verse, <laughs> that passage always reminds me of a verse in Esther. Um, For such a time as this, you're here, possibly, for such a time as this. That verse also came to my mind right around the same time, freshman, sophomore year, I was trying to figure all this stuff out. And it so became my mantra. Like, I'd literally be funny, I'm having images. I'd be on campus walking, and that verse would go through my head for such a time as this. And I'd learn to just stop. Or God classically conditioned me to just sort of stop and look around. Because there's always someone around who needs to be loved. There's always someone around who, right now, in this journey, on this path, this is the moment that God wants me to be helping this person or that person. 
While I'm trying to figure out all of my stuff, that doesn't mean I shut down and forget everybody else exists. I'm in my, we're in our ENC bubble, and then I'm going to be in my little Matthew Henry bubble and not care about anybody but me while I work out my stuff. Doesn't seem to work very well. Whoever is around to be loved should be loved. So we come back to that question. What's the last thing that God asks you to do? I went on my talk, seven wonderful years. Um, and before that, I should say, a philosophy minor got started here, my sophomore year. That changed my life, and that's a whole other sermon talk for another time. But it was a way that God said, I will make good on these other desires that you have. And then I ended up becoming sort of a youth pastor, youth leader at a church I was working with. And then leading music ministry at a church. And then speaking at various churches. God's like, I can take care of all this other stuff. Stay on the path. I want you to teach English and philosophy in high schools and public schools. That's what I want. I can bring all the other things in as well. Because I'm God. I'm good like that. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I, mean, I don't know why there weren't more amens on that. Like, God's like, I've got it. Do what I say. I'll take care of everything else. Hey, Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I've got it. Walk my path. I'm going to leave you with this. Uh, also, when I was a student, I don't remember what, whose class it was. I, maybe I'm supposed to be doing it right now in my classes. No idea. There was a life map that we had to put together, which was you know, a timeline. I'm here right now. I think it was my junior year. I'm a junior at ENC. Toe touch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also older than I once was, and that's going to hurt really badly. Um, I'm right here in my junior year. What am I seeing for senior year? What am I seeing after graduation? Um, and mine... It, this is also from the philosophy end. Like it branched off in some weird process theology sort of ways. I've since recovered. But um, it's, <laughs> Dr. Chase is back. She's happy that I've recovered. Um, so it branched off in weird ways of like possible futures of where I could go and what I could possibly do. I came across that last fall uh, Christmas time in my office. Hadn't looked at it in years. And found, and it, and it had on there, like, you know, going to seminary, getting a master's in this, and doing teaching, and blah, 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 getting married, yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking at it last winter, um, that's actually when I found it. I found it right before I was coming to stand up here to get married. Um, and, uh, <laughs> give me a moment, okay. And uh, um, I looked at it, and I found that God had been faithful despite me. God was faithful despite me. So I walked the path that he told me to walk. Every single thing on the various branches, he had checked off in his own time. And I was looking at it like, I've got to go down this path, or this path, or this path, or this path. And he's like, I'm God. I do what I want. Do what I said, and it will come to fruition. He had checked off every single thing. Teaching, um, doing poetry, getting married, a master of fine arts and poetry, and... Even, even one of my paths, maybe it's my fault, was possibly coming back and teaching at ENC. There was like a big question mark next to that one. And I was like, ah! How did that happen? Um, every path except one. Going to seminary. And so now I'm pretty much back in the same place I was back when I was a junior or a senior, asking the same question. What is the last thing God told me to do? Well, I know the answer to that question is now. So I'm going to keep doing it. 
And if at some other point God leads me in another direction, then God leads me in another direction. And that's what I want to leave you with. My prayer for all of you is if you can answer that question, regardless of where you are, if you're off the path and need to get back on the path, or you're on the path and need to keep walking it, what is the last thing God asks you to do? To answer that question, and then to do it. So I think we get caught up a lot in answering questions. We know what God wants. I know what God wants. But that becomes the cop-out. I'm going to say that again for the cheap seats. We know what God wants, and we spend a lot of time talking about it, praying about it, talking to our friends about it, asking a minister or a counselor to talk to us about that thing. But we don't actually do anything about it to change it. We just talk about it. Well, I've identified my problem, and since denial is the first problem, I've gotten past denial. And I'm going to stay right here talking about it. Yes. Amen. Yeah, just about Let's walk down the path. Let's know what God wants from us and go in that direction. Let me close you guys in prayer and send you on your way. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can be here and be at this institution where we can think deep thoughts. But more importantly, we can learn what it is to follow after you, to be your children, to be your people, to not only affect our own lives, Lord, but to affect the lives of those around us, Lord, to love as you have us to love. Help us, Lord, to seek who you are and what you will have us to do in our lives, Lord, so we may walk the path We ask this in all things in your name's grace. Amen.